and welcome to Inspiring Women Leaders, the podcast about leadership by women only, from which everyone can learn. Inspiring Women Leaders aims to showcase the extensive leadership knowledge and practical skills of its incredible guests, and to both inspire and educate its listeners, helping them acquire the know-how necessary to become better leaders themselves. Without further ado, I'd now like to welcome my guest. So please, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Today, I'm super excited to welcome to the show Dorothy Enriquez. Being a third culture kid, a single mum, and possessing a master's degree in human communication, Dorothy's journey is one of inspiration. Her unwavering dedication to fostering leadership excellence compelled her to establish a groundbreaking firm, the Elevate Collective, a premier learning and leadership entity on a mission to redefine leadership across all tiers and transform businesses from the inside out. Dorothy has been a teacher, an instructional designer and a learning architect for the last 10 years, empowering corporate Americans to find success both in work and life. She really cares about her clients and works extremely hard on their behalf, but underlying that lies something special, a deep understanding of what aspiring leaders really need to hear, but perhaps don't want to admit. If there's one person who can answer tough questions with honesty, that would be Dorothy. Dorothy's compelling vision has led her and her team to collaborate with some really prominent names such as Nestle, Campbell's, Northwestern Mutual, Coles, and the Boys and Girls Club, reinforcing their firm's commitment to both individual achievement and the creation of harmonious, successful teams across diverse sectors. I think it's fair to say that Dorothy is leading with inspiration. So without further ado, let's meet Dorothy Enriquez. Welcome to the show, Dorothy. Thank you so, so much for agreeing to come on and speak to the show's audience. Thanks for having me. What a great intro. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's it's all true, right? So the, the greatness comes from the, the things that you've done and the things that you've achieved. So, um, yeah. but yeah, it'd be great if you could um, just kind of elaborate a little bit more on that. Um, I used the term um, third culture kid, um, which um, you explained to me off air, but if you could uh, explain your your background and your heritage and your 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 origin story a bit, um, tell the audience a bit more about yourself, including what your current work roles are and what leadership positions you currently hold or have held in the past, please. Yeah, sure. Um, so I am attached to so many different cultures. And of course, it's very fitting that I was born on Flag Day. <laughs> um, <laughs> but by heritage, I am Belizean from Central America. And specifically, mm -hmm. we are Garifuna. Um, but I was born in Napoli, Italy. I was raised in Okinawa, Japan. And <laughs> I've mostly lived in the US for my adult life. Um, but essentially, there, I discovered in my leadership journey a term that really encompasses what I just explained, which is yeah. a third culture kid. And yeah. so a third culture kid are just individuals who were raised in a culture other than 
their parents' culture of origin or nationality, and then they live in a different environment that makes right. up a significant part of their child development years. And right. so that is where I came up with that term because I didn't come up with it, but that's why I started using it. Because people yeah. would ask me, well, where are you from? And I'd always be confused. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. Do you mean like, where did I drive from? Or do you mean yeah. like, what am I? Or do you mean like where I was raised? And I think people always give me such a weird look, like it is not that difficult. Just answer my question, why don't you? But it is difficult for me yeah. with my background. And so yeah. the all-encompassing term is being a third culture kid. That is that's wonderful. Thank you for thank you for clarifying that and uh, be educating the audience on a new term because, as I said, I, I hadn't come across it before. So I'm I'm, I'm really grateful to you for. Um, <laughs> for telling us about that and um yeah uh, just anything more you'd like to tell us about yourself um and, and kind of what you're currently currently up to and things like that sure so the elevate collective is an award-winning learning and leadership development firm with a diversity mm -hmm. equity inclusion arm and diversity mm -hmm. equity and inclusion looks different as you go from country to country um mm -hmm. because what you might need in france doesn't necessarily align with what you might need, you know, in the UK or in the US. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the work that we've been able to do and in working with such prominent um, corporations and nonprofits, mm -hmm. it's been an amazing opportunity to work with such a diverse um, amount of leaders with different mm -hmm. backgrounds, different experiences, different goals. But mm -hmm. ultimately, I think the the most amazing thing about what I do is being able to take a look behind the curtain and letting mm. these organizations and leaders know you're not the only one, because mm. sometimes we feel like whatever our challenges, our obstacle or our area of opportunity, it can feel very isolating, even though you're one of many in a particular sector or industry. But a lot of times people in that same sector and same industry are trying to figure out how do we overcome this and how can we build a transformative culture in the process? And so that's kind of cool about what I get to do every day. That is, that's, that's very cool. I like, I like that, um, you know, letting organizations know that they're not the only one. Cause I, I, in my work, I kind of uh, well, I don't really have such a, a, a grand stage, I think, as as yourself. But, you know, I work more with individuals and I'm, you know, especially those who've experienced workplace bullying. So I'm saying to them, you know, they're not alone. They're not they're not the only one. But to think of uh, on an organizational um, scale that you're yeah. not the only organization, that, that's that's fascinating. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and yeah, so so you uh, you founded the Elevate Collective, and you're the, the CEO, yeah? Yeah. Excellent. I um, got the idea in 2016, like mm. uh, in Q4, and I was participating in this leadership development program for um, Black leaders in mm. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Mm. And after going to the opening retreat, I thought to myself, like, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to quit. <laughs> <laughs> start my um, didn't know how it was all going to come together, but mm. I just knew that I needed to answer the call. And yeah. I was just going to take that, that risk and bet mm. on myself and see how that would go. Mm. And so in, in 2017, I got my first opportunity to start to ignite what this could look like. 
And so mm. I was the panel moderator for a diversity, equity, inclusion expose at mm -hmm. Johnson Controls. And I was, you know, my picture was on the, the documents and the paperwork and the handouts and things like that. Mm. And I was like, what if I really could do this? Mm. What if? Yeah. And so I started as the communication strategist. And then in 2020, I rebranded and expanded at the same time to the Elevate Collective. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Oh, that's that's great. Um, and and before you, you founded, did you have any leadership roles um, in the organizations that you worked for? Not formal leadership, no, because of mm. what I did. So I mm. sat in, so I worked in a large CPG organization. So that's consumer packaged goods. Mm -hmm. And I was in the leadership development space, not for my mm -hmm. whole career, but in my entire, over the course of my 15 years in corporate, I was always in some sort of development role. So training mm -hmm. and development, instructional design, mm. internal or external facilitation. And mm -hmm. so the, the last part of my corporate career, the last seven years, six, seven years, I spent that really sitting in and mastering leadership development as an art mm. and a science. Um, but my whole career was mm. training, training and development, people development, yeah. but yeah. the back half was focused on the leadership element. And I was right at home in that space. Yeah. Wasn't right at home with my role, but definitely mm. right at home in the in the industry. Yeah. 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 No, I mean you you uh you wanted more, didn't you? You wanted to 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 run yeah. run your own show. And um and it just seems like a natural um evolution that uh you know you you kind of um founded a leadership development organization. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I mean yeah. That wasn't the plan per se. I thought <laughs> it was going to be something like more sexy, like media and entertainment. And yeah. then we ended up doing leadership development. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, uh, it may not be, it may not be that uh, as sexy, but it is uh, it's so, so crucial at the moment, isn't it? There's so yeah. much, um, yeah. so many unhappy workers and employees and right. so much need for um good kind leadership um to to be created and um yeah so uh, i mean it's you know actually could impact on 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 the media um industry could yeah. couldn't it like if you start working with leaders in that in that sector so um yeah most people hate their job so it yeah. is a thing yeah it really is it really is um fantastic so thank you for um for expanding on all of that so um as a as a, a ceo and and founder and and so on um and you're uh, you you have employees um i know what's your um what's your personal leadership style with your team would you say um so i'm a millennial so my leadership style tends to be more collaborative Mm -hmm. um, with that lens of consensus building, but I also lead, you know, in an oval approach where, you know, at some point somebody has to decide something. If someone yeah. isn't going to be that critical key decision maker, then stuff mm -hmm. isn't going to get done. So yeah. it cannot be exclusively all consensus. At yeah. some point I will be the deciding factor. Uh, yeah. but the team is also, 
mostly millennials. We have um, a Gen Zer. We have a couple Xers, um, but for the but everybody else in the center. So there's about mm, so there's eight people who are the elevate heroes, and they're mm. all the ones behind the scenes. And yep. then we've got five experts that allow us to be client facing. But yep. of the eight, um, almost everyone sits in that millennial category. And then we've got a couple mm -hmm. outliers that are Xers and Zers. And then <laughs> even for the experts, we've got millennials and Xers. Yeah. And Super. so there's a lot of consensus there, but at the same time, you know, for me, my leadership style is that at the end of the day, decisions have to be made, yep. but I do want to understand the various perspectives and how it impacts the, the various portions of the business because we have yeah. different departments, but also I'm a situational leader. And so yeah. as yeah. someone is entering into those different situations, task by task by task, and as they're mm -hmm. at different development levels, I mm -hmm. want to be able to support them at those levels because sometimes we think because someone's been working for 10 years in this space that they don't go through the ebbs and flows. And so mm -hmm. we tend to take on a more consistent leadership style with very little flexibility. But if we mm -hmm. can be situational task by task by yeah. task, regardless if someone's been working for a year or 20 years, they can get the support they need as the projects and tasks change and shift. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, uh, totally understand that. It's very uh, sort of agile approach, you know, kind of case by case, isn't it? What what someone needs at that time, um, not assuming that because they've been doing the job for so long that they you can take a very hands off approach and, and leave them to it. Sometimes they need a bit of a uh, bit of help, but it's, you're very collaborative. And um, so your team know that they can kind of come to you, um, even those really experienced ones without kind of fear of... Um, you know, if any kind of uh, embarrassment or anything like that, they, uh, um, you know, you're just a smallish team as well. So you're very, very hands-on, I'm guessing. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, but you're right. I mean, ultimately the, the collaborative democratic approach is wonderful, but if it's like that through and through decisions never get made <laughs> and yeah, someone, you know, you're, you're at the helm, it's your organization. These things need doing. So thank you so much for that. Um, so just a little bit more about the, the journey then. So, I mean, you have, you have explained, um, you know, where you were working before and that you were in that leadership and development space, the training space, the facilitating roles that you had and so on. Um, and then you, you know, you, you, you went along and you gave this, uh, this talk and you saw, you know, you saw your your photograph on the um the promotion materials and all of this and you're like oh actually <laughs> how about yeah. that how about if it if it was me representing my own company rather than um the, yeah. the company that I'm employed by and that it sounds like that kind of planted a bit of a seed um but you know most people kind of don't literally wake up one day and say, I want to found a company, you know, and then they, they go from <laughs> no. not, you know, not really being in, in leadership to being the the CEO and a founder of an organization. So was there anything um, 
you know more over over the years before you founded that you know kind of little seeds along the way or or you know things mm -hmm. that you how did it, it kind of evolve uh, or did you did you just wake up one morning and was like yep that's it I'm I'm right. today I'm going to be a leader and that's it <laughs> how did it how did yeah. it work? Your journey that's to funny that's a great question so no <laughs> I didn't wake up and say like oh I'm gonna start a business um <laughs> this has been generations in the making I will say so my okay. mom um when I was growing up she was a seamstress and a fashion designer okay. and I knew that she started to sew she taught herself to sew when she was seven mm -hmm. and I just was like oh cool but in interviewing my mom I spent six hours interviewing her about her life because mm -hmm. I know one day she won't be here. And that is when I found out that, yes, she did teach herself how to sew when she was seven. But once she realized she was good at it, she started her own business and started selling doll clothes to her friends mm -hmm. so that they'd have new outfits for their little baby dolls and Barbies and things like that. And I was like, yeah. are you kidding me? No wonder I do what I do for a living. Um, so what happened was when I was 10, I decided to find out like, what were the problems in our house that I had some energy around to fix? So my parents had lots of tapes cause they would, you know, back in the day, y'all, they would <laughs> find out what was going to be on TV. They had yes. a VCR. Yes, they did. And then yep. they would time it out and figure out what time this movie's going to start and then they're going to record it, but they recorded everything and they never labeled the tapes. So they would want to find the movie that they <laughs> recorded however long ago. And then they have to be putting these uh, VHSs inside of the VCR to fast forward, rewind to find the movie that they're looking for. This was a constant problem in our house because we are a movie watching family. So I propose. <laughs> That for a nominal fee, I could categorize and organize all their movies. That's part of being a business owner. You have to have mm. a problem that you solve. So yeah. I solved this problem and I realized that it was a lot harder than even I anticipated. So I increased the price from 10 cents a movie to a shilling a movie or a quarter a movie. And so they... They put a limit on how many movies I could do because they were being mindful of their budget as well. But that <laughs> is how my entrepreneurial journey started. And then when I was 23, 24, I was really struggling in corporate America because I, I didn't like it. Mm. I just was like, why would someone do this their whole life? Why? It just, yeah. it was not working for me. I was not even 90 days in and I knew I just was not built for it. Yeah. And so I really grappled internally, like, am I a lazy person? Do I just not have what it takes? Mm -hmm. And I sought out um, a, a coach and a mentor. And because I was volunteering with the American Society of Training and Development, I met a woman, Anita Golden, who was running her own human resources and team building firm. And she had a really cool event coming up in the hotel um, industry space. And I know I'm not saying it right. It's not just hotel. It's like tourism and something. something. Yeah, hospitality. 
there we go in the hospitality industry. And mm -hmm. so she was going to be doing work with um, this specific hotel and their team. And she mm -hmm. was, she, she asked, you know, would you want to come help me and be like my, my gopher and my support for the day? And I'm like, heck yeah, mm -hmm. I'd rather do anything than go to work. So <laughs> I'm watching this woman. She comes up with this like amazing team building activity where the hotel becomes like a treasure hunt and she's got GPSs that they have to use. They have to work to teams. And I made, I don't know how much I was making at work. I might've been making, I don't know, maybe like a hundred dollars a day. Right. Mm -hmm. But she paid me two fifty to be her gopher for the day and support and help out and bring things to her. It was easy. And I loved it because it was also in my area of expertise. And I asked her if she would mentor me or coach me. And I was mm. like, I don't have a lot of money, but I know I need help. Mm. And she was like, no, I like you. I'll do it for free. I'll do a couple sessions with you for free. And so she suggested that I start to look outside of work for fulfillment mm. instead of depending on my job to mm. fully me and who I am or who I'm not, that I have things outside of the world of work. And she <laughs> asked me the question. So this is me at like 25. She's like, well, if you do, if you weren't doing this job, what would you be doing? I was like, I'd be a facilitator. She's like, yeah, but you kind of already do that. If you weren't doing that, what would you be doing? I'm like, a chief learning officer. She's like, nothing to do with your job. And so I really... <laughs> struggled like well what else could I do I'm not good at anything and so she positioned it as if education and skill set didn't matter if background didn't matter if your capacity competence acumen like if none of it mattered what would you do and I said well I'd I'd probably be a talk show host she said great why don't you just map out what that might look like mm -hmm. and I said okay great that's not hard so I start to map it out, but in typical Dorothy fashion, I don't just map it out. I execute. I literally build it out, create a team and execute and, and host two talk show episodes. Now, <laughs> in full transparency, this is my 25-year-old self. The production value was extremely low. But the <laughs> fact that I was able to execute it and get a full team on board, listen, if you want to test your leadership, lead a bunch yeah. of volunteers. You'll yeah. be able to see how good of a leader you are. Um, but it let me know that creativity, entrepreneurship, really being able to ignite in a space that allows me to be my authentic self, all of those things bubbled to the top in a way that I just could not ignore. And so I did abandon the talk show idea because I just was like, I do not have the finances for this. But I did end up deciding after like in the middle of all that, I find Jesus and I feel like God tells me you need to do a magazine publication. And I'm like, absolutely not. No. Mm. Do you not know I got a D in journalism in college? A D. I don't even get D's. Okay. So I was very much, you know, going to war with the Lord. Anyway, long story short, I ended up doing the magazine publication as I was told. And so I proceeded to do that for eight years and it was epic. 
But the big thing was it sent me straight into debt. And I realized mm -hmm. I did not know how to make money. And so when I put the magazine to rest, because that's the mark of a good entrepreneur, knowing when to give up, give it up and let it go mm -hmm. and do something different. I started a writing consulting firm. And that's when I learned how to make money. That's mm -hmm. when I figured out how to make a dollar, how to make a hundred how to make several hundred, like how do you actually make money instead of just being in the red? How do you get your business in the black? How do you focus on those money generating activities so that you can do what it is that you need to do? And from there, I realized writing is very isolating because you just do it by yourself. Mm. And so I learned I can't do this forever. That could be some aspect of what I do on a day-to-day, -day, but it can't be all of it. And mm. so from there, that's when the current business that we're talking about was created. Mm. But this was not my first rodeo, not by yeah. a long shot. Right. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I love that. I love that um, that origin story. Um, I just want to make special mention of the fact that you interviewed your mom, uh, and I think that's lovely. Um, and that's... Um, Maybe maybe I will do the same, inspired by by those actions. Uh, certainly, my mum is you one of the. <laughs> she's, well, she's one of the. Yeah, he has a list of questions that you should ask your parents or your caretakers before they pass away. So if you yeah. look up Brendan Burchard and like questions to ask your parents or something like that, yeah, it'll pop up. Yeah, okay. So okay. I didn't even finish, and we were talking for six hours, and yeah. I learned. A lot about my I mean I feel like I know my mom pretty well but yeah I learned things about her that I just didn't yeah. know about yeah that that I love that uh I think that's a great idea anyone who's listening as well um uh, I think that's a really um inspiring idea um my 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 mom and, and actually and, and my wife my daughters and my sisters are really the reason that, uh, you know, I kind of, that you and I are having this conversation now. So, uh, uh, I, I will put it. it, I will put it to her. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> you were making me laugh when, when you were, you were talking about your entrepreneurial roots and the, the VHS. I, I, I am uh, <laughs> quite, quite a bit older than you. And, uh, we, we very, all oh, that resonated so much, the whole kind of, you know, or, or you'd, you'd have you put stickers on the vhs tapes yeah and then and um it's funny like instead of i don't know if this is the same in the states as in the uk but uh in, when you recorded something you'd say will you tape it let's let's tape yep. this show right yeah um so so don't know why but so the things that you taped you'd put like you'd start off putting the first thing on that particular new vhs tape yeah and then obviously you'd record over it and record over it and record over it, right and then you'd eventually kind of run out of room on the on the label um yes. uh but there are no more labels uh <laughs> so right. it's like what that's on right earth is on this tape who knows uh that's Man, just, that just oh that's so funny so funny. i mean it could have been worse it could have been could have been betamax right could have been worse <laughs> right right and so <laughs> even... tape it gets stuck in the vcr and then you're devastated it's because there's like nothing to do yeah, yes, like, there's nothing like you can do if it gets uh, Um, so uh, I'll move swiftly on from that now to not alienate the millennials listening who are like, "What the <laughs> hell is he talking about?" Um, 
Um, but uh, lovely, lovely uh, reference there to um, Anita, Anita Golden. Um, and uh, I love, I love that. I love that quote. Look outside of work for fulfillment. Um, Yeah. there is a lesson for all of us there. Um, that is tremendous. Um, that's a that's a that's a great kind of one line. The the depth the depth within that is uh, is is yeah fantastic. Um, the talk the talk show. Um, the 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 seeds of leadership were planted there. You had a team. Um, but as you said, you, you, you displayed, um, demonstrated initiative, creativity, you were innovative, um, right. and you, <laughs> you had your first taste of leading a, a team of volunteers, which I'm sure was like herding cats. Um, <laughs> Tell in, in... <laughs> me about it. um, but, uh, and now of course you could just start, start up a YouTube talk show, like, just like that. You wouldn't even need a team. You just, you just do, you just find I, some guests. Listen, that is so true. <laughs> um, and then you founded a magazine. What was the magazine called? It was called dot magazine, always on point. And it was designed with millennials in mind. Yeah. So that we could talk about the various areas and how they impact us specifically. Um, because yeah. I, at the time, kind of felt like there's a bazillion magazines. Do you really need another yeah. one? But yeah. a lot of times yeah. magazines have huge demographics. And yeah. some of my favorite magazines, the demographic ranges from like 20s to 60s. And so yeah. there's going to be a lot of content if you're in your 20s that you can't relate to at all. Yeah. And then there will be content where you're, it's more like aspirational. Like when I turn 30, I will. And when yeah. I turn 40, I will. But right now I'm 25 and I'm having a quarter life crisis. What about yeah. me and what I'm yeah. experiencing right now? Yeah. Uh, and so I wanted it to be very timely about the things that felt most pertinent and relevant to us. Yeah. Um, back then, but yeah, it, uh, it evolved over time, which I think that that's what magazine publications are supposed to do, Yeah, but it also got more and more expensive. Yeah, And I yeah. think that yeah. magazines stay in business, but they've been saying for years, even when I was running a magazine that magazines mm. were dead. And mm. so there's still a bunch of magazines. So I don't know how dead they are. But yeah. a lot of them make their money through ads. And so yeah. if you don't have tons and tons of ads, mm. then you are going to be on the struggle bus because it won't exclusively yeah. come from sales. Yeah. Uh, but I just learned a lot in general, specifically around the criticality of building a, a really powerful network so that mm. you have the right people in your corner to execute on the vision that you've been mm raced with in your mind so that that vision can then become a reality. Yeah. Um, and then I also just learned the importance of like time management and managing the resources within a business. And so yeah. while we didn't make a ton of money, um, there were a lot of skills that I would then take later on. And yeah. I learned a lot about what not to do because when I felt like the magazine would, was at its height, I quit my job to pursue it full time mm. um, and didn't have a backup plan or anything. I was like, mm. God told me to do it. So you can't argue, which like you kind of can't. But nevertheless, I pursued full speed ahead and was 
promptly back in corporate within six months because I didn't have a backup plan. And so from those learnings, I was able to write Mm. a book because I I mean, my life fell apart, (laughs) but I did learn a lot. And so I wrote a book and then it got published last year. And I was also able to kind of do an after action review with myself, even though I never thought I would ever quit my job again in doing that after action review, because I did eventually quit my job again, I have not had to go back. And I Mm. left corporate in 2018 and it's 2024. Yeah. Amazing. I love that dot magazine always on point. That's such a great slogan or strap line always on point. Um, And although it, you know, the magazine didn't kind of pan out how you might've hoped you learned so much um, yeah. You learn about networking, you learn about time management, what not to do. And one of these things yeah. is always have a backup plan. Um, yeah. And it gave you that kind of f- fertile, um, creative ground for writing a book. And what was your book called? It was called Be Accountable and Be Fabulous. Growth <laughs> looks good it. on you, girl. <laughs> Be accountable and be fabulous. Growth looks good on you, girl. Okay. Yes. Love that. Love that. Okay. We'll have to put a a link in the show notes to that. Fantastic. Um, So, yeah. So um, you mentioned um, um, Anita Golden, as I I said, um, and uh, it sounds like she was really instrumental and, and very, you know, kind of inspiring and quite pivotal uh for you know the you and and how things uh ultimately turned out but um aside from anita are there any other people male or female that have helped you rise on your on your journey yeah um i mean my parents my mom and my dad of course Mm. were instrumental and i would discover after the fact that my dad did leadership development just like i do and i was like Mm. what why did I not know this? I do not know you people. Um, so that <laughs> I am like tickled by that as well. And I would say um, Dr. Jeanette Mitchell and Janine Edwards and Margaret Arney, those were three and Sandy, the Sandy Brown. So those were four people who were just absolutely pivotal mm. when I was figuring out what that next step would look like as I went on a journey of Mm. unfolding into my power and giving myself permission to be me. Because I Mm. feel like for me, and I I feel like a lot of people have the same experience where you're told that you're too much or you're told that you're too intense. And so people Mm. are constantly asking you to to be less, be smaller, be more powerful. So that other people feel more comfortable. And so I got to a point in interacting with those four women specifically where I just came to the conclusion like, I don't have to be palatable for you. Mm. You can choke. So I'm just going to be me because it doesn't Mm. make any sense for me to be any less me because I am going pro. I'm the best Dorothy Enriquez on the planet. I'm literally going pro at this. So it doesn't make sense for me to shrink because my confidence rattles your insecurities. So I think that they were particularly pivotal in helping me get to that point because sometimes 
we want permission to come from the outside. Mm. And so anyone who needs external permission, granted, I give you permission to go be great. But uh, sometimes the permission needs to come from inside where we say, you know, it's okay for me to be me. And in light of Janine finding out that I want to start my business, I had a lot of limiting beliefs. I had a lot mm -hmm. of social inhibitions about what I could do, you know, with my background pedigree or lack thereof. And the thing that she said to me that I will never forget, she said, it's just money and people want to give it to you. What? <laughs> she said, again, it's just money. And people want to give it to you. And that has been instrumental in helping me build a business that's sustainable and can pay mm. other people other than me. Because yeah. it is just money. It literally grows on trees. It's paper. It grows on trees. It does. And so what does that look like? What does that sound like? As you give other people, our team currently is, you know, all women of various mm. backgrounds, we have an international presence in that way. And the fact that we create space for these women to be able to work is amazing because yeah. it is just money and people want to give it to us. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. So, I mean, the people that you've mentioned, they, uh, yeah, they sound like in absolutely incredible kind of mentors that you've, uh, that you've had over the year been very blessed um and a couple of things have kind of like um stood out for me in in what you've just said and i think this will really resonate with with quite a lot of people is uh don't um, i'm paraphrasing by the way this is not um verbatim what you said but essentially don't shrink you know don't shrink yourself because your confidence triggers others insecurities essentially yeah sure. um so just um I, I, you know, maintain your authenticity because we're, we're never going to be everything to everyone. We're never going to be everyone's cup of tea. Right. So we find right. our tribe, you know, if people exactly. want someone who is, you know, larger than life to work with, mm -hmm. they will come to that kind of person. If they want a kind of a, right. a, a shrinking violet, a wallflower, they will find that person. Um, the thing about sure. those sorts of people is that, you won't find them because they're hiding their light under a bushel. So you have to have a certain <laughs> amount of confidence, right? Yeah. To, for, to, for people to even know about you. Um, mm -hmm. And then the other thing is the money mindset, you know, this, uh, you know, look, a lot of us, uh, and I am very much in this uh, category, I'm a work in progress, but, you know, have limiting beliefs around, around money um, yeah. that comes from our, usually from our childhood. Um, but yeah, just, having people reinforce to you that yeah people you know there's there's money to be made people want to give other people money you know for services um sure. so uh you know why why not you <laughs> so, exactly yeah, why yeah, not yeah. you yeah 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 that's brilliant loving loving these lessons um so let's um let's move on to something um uh, a, a little bit more um, challenging, shall we say? Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. This may apply more to your your pre um, Elevate Collective 
career um, when you worked mm -hmm. in corporate America, but um, have you experienced any um, particular challenges on on your journey um, through those through those roles? Um, and if so, how did you cope with them and, and move past them? Because I think that yeah. you know, there's and feel free, you know, to just speak about what you're comfortable with, but you know, there will always be at least one person out there who's listening who will be like, you know, I have the same and that's a really yeah. good idea how she how she dealt with that situation and I'm gonna try that. So if there's anything you can you can share, that would be that would be amazing. Thank you. Sure. I think um so my corporate career started in Southern California. And so when I quit my job to pursue the magazine full time, I had to then find another job. And the job that I found, I was a contractor. So it was a temporary mm. role for six months. And mm. I thought to myself, like, this is perfect. This gives me six months to get back on my feet and get back to running my business. Mm. Um, it would be five plus years before I would actually exit corporate again. But mm. in that particular role, um, I actually encountered a bully at work and I'd never been bullied before. So, mm. well, I've been bullied in school, but never at work. Yeah. And so that was one of the most challenging up to that point experiences mm. that I had had because at first I just kind of shrugged it off like, hmm, whatever, she's being weird. But eventually it got so bad that I was considering quitting because I felt like people knew what was going on. People saw what was going on with their own eyes mm. and they weren't doing anything about it. And yeah. I found that to be so weird. How is mm. it that you see someone literally being bullied, like not in the instances where it's just me and her and nobody's around, but even in places and spaces where there's witnesses, if you will, yeah. um, and no one who was in leadership would say anything. So it got to the point where I think I told the, um, I don't know what his title was, but he would have been more like the president of the um, of the production company that mm. I'm like, I'm going to quit. And he said, just take her to the parking lot and punch her in the face. And I thought for the industry that I was in, you know, we're a manufacturing company. That sounds accurate. However, I feel like I'm not in the mood for assault charges. No, so prison like sentence. And... For that. Yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah. not in the mood for jail. Yeah. Orange yeah. is not my signature color. Yeah. Yeah. So I just kind of felt like, okay, I appreciate the support and the vote of confidence, but why is no one doing anything about this woman? Yeah. And so there was another leader in a different part of the manufacturing facility who also saw how I was being bullied. She pulled me to the side and she said, listen, we're a brewing company. It's like mm. a clock. Everything always switches. Just wait for her to leave. But she had been there for quite some time, but it mm. did turn out that she did eventually leave. But that experience was very challenging for me because it was like no one had my back and no one cared. Even mm. though everybody knew they didn't care. And I was yeah. considering taking her to the parking lot and giving yeah. her a piece of my mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
But the fact that that could go on, and I mean, if you look at the research and statistics around workplace bullying, number one, it's very expensive. It's very yeah. expensive to have bullies in a lot of different ways, right? Because yeah. now person who's being bullied, um, their their performance and productivity will probably dip. The person yeah. who's being bullied, depending on how they're taking it, they may be going to the doctor more or having to go to therapy, all of these yeah. things. Yeah. And it, depending on who's being bullied and who's um, doing the bullying, that can mm. also impact workplace culture, workplace climate. It's expensive yeah. to have bullies. It is. Um, yes. And so in the US, there's like a an institute that, you know, is against is. bullying and offering support and things like that. Yeah. And so that was just one of the hiccups and hangups that I had to contend with in corporate. And I would say the other one was when I moved to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is one of the most segregated cities in the U.S. And I, coming from SoCal, Southern California, I didn't even know segregation was a thing. Because we're yeah. not segregated in it's California. It's a very li liberal place, isn't it, California? Yes. Yeah, and so yeah. to be in a segregated place and walk into places where everyone's white and they look at you like, are you lost? <laughs> and I'm thinking, of course not. I used my GPS to get here. I came here on purpose. Yeah. And then wanting to leave because it's like you can sense that you're not welcome. Yeah. Um, and navigating that tension and that dichotomy mm. in the workplace um i i i got more comments about my natural hair than i ever have mm. <laughs> in corporate and i got i mean and then in the u.s they passed the crown act that says it's okay for you to wear your hair the way it grows out of your head and mm. that would be professional but in milwaukee i Got a lot of comments about my hair. Um, and I got called little girl <laughs> more often than I've ever been called little girl in my entire life. Well, I'm black. So you don't call black women little girl at work. It's no. racist and it's inappropriate. Um, and so it was very challenging to figure out how to be myself in that environment mm -hmm. and how to show up bright how to show up boldly um because i just felt like uh, for a year or so maybe a little longer than a year i was the only black person in that on that floor in that whole part of the department it just it was such a weird position to be in mm. and i was uncomfortable i would have been less uncomfortable had people not been making all of these weird comments and saying mm. strange to me um i wouldn't have thought about it one way or another i would have been okay uh mm. because as black people we learn how to navigate predominantly white spaces however mm. this covert and overt um racism and things like that i, I mm. just was like i'm not i'm not used to this i don't even know how to navigate around this in a work environment versus mm. it just being at a store or at a restaurant yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And so it caused me to really struggle. And my outlet was going to therapy so that I could okay. figure out ways to navigate and make it through my contract because it was supposed to be two years. And I was like, I'm not going to make it. 
Yeah. Um, but going to therapy really helped me. And then going into that leadership program that I referenced earlier was the absolute catalyst and game changer for me. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm, um, I'm sorry that you had to experience all of that. Um, and you know, the, um, <laughs> just, just hearing you talk about the, uh, the boss of the brewing company, it sounds like a very, uh, you know, almost, uh, well, I'm guessing it was a white male, right? It has this kind of quite, quite, um, maybe... <laughs> no, he was actually Brazilian. Aha. Uh -huh. Okay. All yep. right. Um, it's quite, yeah, maybe, uh, I don't know, a cultural thing or a certain generation. Maybe it was part of the brewing culture. It's like, oh, you just saw your differences kind of uh, <laughs> you know, by having a, having a little fight and then uh, shake hands and everything is all resolved, which uh, right. is, uh, <laughs> is uh, yeah, interesting, interesting advice. Um, yeah. But you had, you had, I mean, I think in the, in, in the, the form of that um, other leader, uh, the female leader that you talked about who said, you know, just, just bide your time, just bide your time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Again, it's not a, it's not a good strategy because no. it's like, yeah, how long, how long's the piece of string? When is she going to retire or whatever? Yeah. And right. uh, you know, do I really want to just uh, like, you know, keep um, allowing myself to be subjected to this, this yeah. treatment for a year, two years, five years, 10 years, you know, how long, how long, when's, when's it going to end? Um, yeah. But at least you had someone who sort of saw, saw you, saw what was going mm -hmm. on, acknowledged it, um, right. was, you know, was, was supportive, um, you know, um, was, you know, empathic by, by the sounds of it, you know, she, she, uh, she could, um, understood your, your unhappiness and your distress and so on. Um, and that, that, you know, sometimes that in itself is worth, it's waiting gold, you know, just having a, a right. you know, maybe, I don't know if, did you feel like you were able to talk to her and, and, um, you know, like it was a psychologically safe space where you could say, you know, this is going on and it's really, you know, making me feel down and so on. Did you, did you have that with her? Yeah. And she's the yeah. one who pulled me aside, um, yeah. Yeah. to have the conversation with me. And I think we were yeah. in like, on the brewing side mm. and like where the machines were. So it was dark and clandestine, uh, but we had this discussion yeah. and I appreciated it because it, it, I felt like it let me know that she sees what's going on. Yeah. She sees how ridiculous it is. Yeah. Um, and she's, you know, invested in making sure that I can stay part of the team that I'm actually supporting because yeah. the the woman who was bullying me, she was in my department, but she wasn't on my team. And so yeah, she yeah. was very diligent about going out of her way to harass yeah. me every yeah. chance that she got. Yeah. And yeah. So, um, I've not ever been a bully. Like, I don't feel like I have that much time on my hands. And at this age, <laughs> I'm too tired to even think about harassing somebody regularly on a daily basis every chance that I find. Um, but I also think that people who are bullies are, they probably are being bullied or they have been bullied. And so they yeah. just, you know, they need, they need something, but yeah. I was very, very happy when she finally yeah. got fired. Yeah. 
no for for sure um that that is in my experience one of the reasons why people bully um uh, Kristen mm -hmm. Gies talks about uh, hurt people hurt people yeah so, exactly yeah, um but exactly. you know um at least at least it sounds like you were you were seen and you were heard which you know is worth is worth so much you know to to be sure. to be seen to be heard and for her to you know give you that sense check that yeah uh, i i see and acknowledge that the situation that mm -hmm. you're in you you are being bullied so it's not then in your head thinking am i being bullied what is going on here am you know am i exactly. right to feel upset you know is this is exactly. this acceptable is this normal right. you know we kind of normalize bad things don't we you know exactly um, so that 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 was um you know you know useful in in its own way um mm -hmm. but then in in milwaukee um that that sounds again like a really, really difficult difficult situation and you ended up having to turn to a therapist to to get you oh, through yeah, that. I, was, um, I was struggling yeah i was struggling a lot yeah. Yeah. um and having a very difficult time and i yeah. think that i just was kind of like i don't need therapy you know, like a lot of times people from various backgrounds and cultures are like, yeah, we don't need therapy. You just yeah. need to take a nap or watch a show or go out and with the girls or whatever. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But I had a gal pal who she was in therapy because she was suffering from um, a mental illness. But mm. she really liked her therapist and she mm. <laughs> kept telling me, go to my therapist. I was like, girl, I do not need therapy. You mm. need therapy. That's why you're there. <laughs> she was like, everybody needs therapy, Dorothy. The world is a better <laughs> place if everyone does their work. So I, I told her, I said, <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, I'll go see your therapist. So I went to her therapist and I really liked her. She yeah. talked back. So she wasn't like in the movies, like, and what do you think about that? Yeah. And how do you feel about that? Yeah. No, she would be like, you're wrong. You are, you are making decisions based on um, incomplete information. You need to yeah. do your research. And I'm like, yeah. I am not paying <laughs> you to talk to me like this. This is not what I paid for. But she was right. So she really pushed me to not be lazy in my thinking and to really figure out what it is that I'm saying. What do I, what do I actually mean? What am I trying yeah. to do? What's the goal? And so I ended up seeing her for years. Um, she was great. Yeah. I I'm, I'm listening to you talk about her and I'm, I'm reminded of your bio that I read out earlier on and I'm thinking, was this woman a role model for Dorothy? You know, now you give, leaders the hard <laughs> truths right the the, the truth that no one else has the courage to kind of share with them uh yeah. but you know kind of really get you know deep underneath what the problem is um and uh you know that you do that with um authenticity and and courage and uh yeah it sounds it sounds like uh you, you know you've uh maybe picked up some style um ideas from, <laughs> <laughs> from your therapist Probably. you you maybe Probably. yeah that's really that's really interesting and then uh, and then of course you said the 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 leadership program you know that that was really eye-opening and 
you know, kind of cemented, I think, uh, you know, all of these, uh, these good things that, you know, the kind of the therapy and, and the, the messages that you were, the yeah. good messages that you were hearing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, your, your, your colleague said everyone should have therapy, but, uh, you know, I think everyone should go through a leadership program. Uh, and, and I do know, too. Uh, yeah. Well, you you create them, so uh, absolutely, I'm. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yes, yeah, and I went through one, and it yeah, was yeah. it was pivotal. Yeah. I know that while I may have gotten where I am today, I wouldn't be here right now without the yeah. program. I think I would have gotten there eventually. I just think I would have been a lot older, um, yeah. and there would have been a lot more struggle and strife. to get to this point without having that catalytic experience of going through a program that basically breaks you down to build you Mm. back up so that you are your most powerful, Mm. most impactful, most authentic, most influential version of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, really, really, uh, useful process for people to go through to kind of come out the yeah. other side and to be better uh, better leaders um love that love that thank you um so in addition to that really uh wonderful advice around you know kind of navigating through those workplace challenges and um you know the kind of discussion discussion that we've had around that do you have any um advice for the listeners on how they can become uh stronger stronger leaders kinder leaders um I, I certainly see you as a you know a strong person now I, it sounds like you know it hasn't always been that way because you've no maybe you know <laughs> we and we've all when we're younger and we all have that I'm not saying obviously as a as a white man I, I have any concept of the things that you you were experienced and endured uh even just like yeah. walking around the shops and things as you said um mm-hmm. but we all kind of um, go to work with um, positivity to start with and hopes and aspirations and and a bit of gullibility and a naivety. And we think everyone's going to be nice and friendly to us. And uh, it, right. you know, and, and we're, we're not, we're not that strong when we're, when we're younger, you know, but these, these things happen to us and we, we do become tougher and we do become more confident. And I see you now as someone who is a very strong person Um and kind and kindly as well. You know, I love loved hearing the way you talk about your your team and your your family, your parents, and so on. Um, so how how do you think people can become s- stronger without necessarily having to experience loads of adversity to do so? Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> Listen. Um, and kinder, you know. Um, yeah. As as leaders, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I would say three things that people could start working on today Mm -hmm. is figure out what your core values are. A lot of times when people ask us what our values are, we rattle off 10, 15, 20 things. And often we feel like we value everything. Some people might say, I value fitness. Do you? Or are you part of the cookie ministry or the donut ministry? Is it aspirational? Are you saying that you value fitness because it sounds like the right thing and you have a gym membership that you pay monthly and you never go there? 
Mm. What do you actually value? When you look over your leadership journey, when you look over the last, depending on how old you are, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and you look at the biggest decisions that you had to make, what was guiding you? That mm. will give you insight into your core values. You mm. want to figure out what's driving you at the core, because what this does for leaders is it gives us an opportunity to decision once without having to decision over and over and over again. What do I mean? Well, if you look at what the word decide means, it means to kill off everything else. So if I say that my faith is one of my core values and someone says, you know, we want you to come work with us, but if you ever say God, Jesus, Lord, faith, spirituality, anything, religion, uh, we'll fire you. If you even breathe it or think it will fire you, I've already decided. So the answer is no, mm. because my faith and my religion and spirituality are one of my core values. I don't have to decide that that takes zero thought. Oh, but Dorothy, it's $150,000. I don't care. I've already decided. So once yeah. we figure out what our core values are, that gives us power as leaders to decision without having to decision repeatedly. And it gives us a way to talk about ourselves and our leadership and how we show up in an articulate way. And it gives us an opportunity to draw a line in the sand so that people can know how we'll be showing up in a more congruent, coherent, and consistent way. So that's the first thing. What are your yeah. values? And you can't have more than six. You can't. And really your core are going to be your top three. So that's number one. Number two what is your personal mission? What is this roadmap that is going to take you to the horizon, which would be your personal vision? A lot of people say, I don't have one, which is, I mean, I feel like I run into lots of leaders, different age ranges, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and they don't have a personal mission and vision, but there are organizations that have a mission and vision and they want you to subscribe and ascribe to this mission. But how do you know if you don't even know what yours is? How do you know if you align with these values if you don't know what yours are? But mm. you should have a personal mission and vision that would carry you at least five years out. If you have to change it every year or every two years or even every three years, you did not do it right. So what's your personal mission and vision? You can think of your mission like you've got your car, it's on and you're driving and this is the road you're going to take. It's like your GPS and your vision is the horizon right? Mm -hmm. It's so big that you almost never get there, but you can keep going and keep aspiring and keep pushing and keep driving in that direction. So you want to dream big, right? But you don't want it to be so big that you're like, okay, I'll die before I do this. But mm -hmm. you want it to carry you at least five years, maybe even 10. I wrote my mission and vision in 2015. They are still holding true to this day. So mm. you want to take the time. If you do it in an hour, you did it wrong. If you do mm. it in a day, I promise that you did it incorrectly. This is someone, something that you want to sit with and mm. grapple with and feel that tension to figure out what am I doing here? And mm. what, what am I working towards and why? And this will also put you in that powerful position as a leader to influence because the first person that you influence is you. So those are the three things. Figure out what your core values are, 
figure out your personal mission, regardless of job, regardless of spouse, regardless of how many kids you have or don't have, you want or don't want, regardless of where you live, what is your personal mission and your personal vision? And I think these things will be integral and instrumental in helping you cultivate a leadership practice. We never arrive at leadership. We're always practicing it every day. But what those three things do is they offer guardrails so that we don't get too far off track. Fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. I love that. Um, I'm a huge um, exponent of uh, values, values driven, values led, um, you know, leadership. Right. Um, and uh, I totally agree. Core values. Um, I mean, I, have have done and have repeated the um values in action survey and there are yeah. lots of surveys out there you know there are there are there are lots of them and uh i like this one it's uh it's you know well um validated and and so on big research um base behind it but ultimately you know it kind of gives you i think it's 20 24 24 values uh something like that but you know the top for me i kind of look at the top five really and say they're my core values you said three that's that's totally fine you know if there are there's, um lots of ways to look at these things but um yeah i um the, the most important thing is as you've described being in alignment with your values you know so not not taking a job or taking a client who exactly. who says something that really really triggers you really is is horribly out of alignment with your values, you right. know, and for you, you know, a lot, you know, what's shines, shines through as being really important to you is your, is your faith, is your, um, your religion. And, you know, if anyone isn't happy with that and, uh, you know, kind of on board <laughs> right. with the fact that that's really important to you, then they can just go, <laughs> they, you know, there's, Kick rock. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yes, no, I, I, I love that. And then, um, um, what's your your personal mission? And I love that regardless of your spouse, your family, whatever else. Um, yeah. I think, you know, we I've been guilty of this, you know, kind of like trying to uh craft a mission, but with the caveats that, well, how's that gonna fit in with my wife's job? How's that gonna fit in with my my yeah. kids? And, you know, having to do all the things for the kids and whatever. I should really uh say i need to be quite single-minded on this because if i'm not working towards what is my authentic mission i'm not going to be a happy person exactly you know? and then i'm not i'm not going to be a happy husband and, and and dad um right and um and um, what's your your personal vision um again that's uh and i and i and i your you know your kind of your why as well your purpose i love i love that i love that you can't you can't sit down in an hour and work out what your what your purpose is and what your vision is no, no or even a day you know it just takes right. a long time you're so right i mean there's so many coaches out there who kind of say All right well go away and you know work out what your what your why is what your purpose is and then when we meet up again in 2 weeks let me know um and how well, much time do we have? I just worked with someone. Yeah. I just worked with a coaching client on this. And I so we started to kind of pick words that like resonated with him. And then mm. from there, I said, well, why don't you over the next 
month, take a stab mm. at it. And then mm. we met and we, we massaged it and finessed mm. it. And then two more weeks, three weeks later, we met again and mm. massaged and finessed. And mm. then at the end of that session, he was like, yeah, I'm going to frame this. I think that I want to share this. Like, I'm excited to share mm. this with yeah. my team, with my wife, et cetera. But yeah. that just goes to show how much time and energy was expended yeah. <laughs> in putting together. Yeah. And it's, it is fire. It's an amazing, yeah. like, I'm excited reading his mission and his mm. vision. And it aligns so much with who he is as a leader mm. and how he shows up and moves through the world. Yeah. And so like that mission and vision, I absolutely believe will stay with him for at least the next five years, at least. But if yeah. he was still igniting that mission and vision a decade from now, I wouldn't be shocked at all. Yeah. Not even a little. Yeah. That's that's great. I love to hear that. Um, thank you for um thank you for that. Um really great, great advice. Um uh I I don't know if you have uh, anything left in reserve um, for some take home leadership messages, um, but please right. share. Um, and if that is, you know, kind of reinforcing some of the other things you said, that's, that's completely fine. But, you know, kind of, if you were to distill um, what you feel the most important leadership messages are for the listeners, what would they be? Most important leadership messages for the listeners. Um, a couple, right? So yeah. number one, I do think that we often are silent, we're quiet, we're trying to blend into the background. Mm. And I would just say people can see you. And even if you don't think people are watching, they are. Yeah. So you'll want to speak up because you can't lead if you're not heard. And mm. so it's going to be important for you as leaders to be committed to finding your voice mm. and resting in the fact that sometimes you might be the voice of dissent. I think also, you know, making it your business to master your craft, learn what mm. it is that you do every day and become an expert in it because mm. personal heroics is not a long-term strategy. If you're mm. always flying by the seat of your pants, if you're always guessing and throwing spaghetti at the wall, trying to figure out what will fit, that will <laughs> only so far. And, you know, for those of you who are people leaders and you've got teams, people, right, we've heard it before, people don't quit companies, they quit bosses and yeah. they quit cultures. So whatever you don't appreciate, eventually it will exit. And that could include your high performers, your star performers, your high potentials, and people who are, for lack of a better term, they are your workhorses and they are getting it done and they would run through a wall for you. So how can you be thoughtful in how you show up as a leader? And mm -hmm. I think ultimately, as you try to figure out what you do next, and as you're trying to find that next opportunity opportunity is taking that next step that's right in front of you and really leaning into it and figuring out how do I bring the best of who I am to this opportunity. And so ultimately we're just on this journey where 
you aren't competing with everybody else, but you're competing with the previous version of yourself. And so as we seek to grow and develop and really step into like, why is it that we're here knowing that perspective will precede enlightenment? And so how do we sit with that? How do we grapple with that? What does that mean for us? What does that look like? And always just be looking at you, right? From the sense of don't compare yourself because if you're comparing yourself to the person next to you, you might be comparing yourself to their chapter 20, volume six, and you're on chapter five, volume two. So yeah. how can you just get better and better as you because you're going pro? And you are required to lead from every seat you sit in. Brilliant! Thank you so much. There's there's a lot there's a lot of gold in there. I I, uh, um, I may not remember all of it to to recap on, but um, firstly, kind of stand up, be visible, don't be silent because you're not you know you are being seen, but you're not being heard if you're not saying anything. And if you want to lead, right. you know you. Uh, you you have to you have to have that kind of confidence and um show people what what you have to offer so that's the first one secondly was master your craft um thirdly was i think as a as a leader show up thoughtfully and i think by that you were sort of implying you know be thoughtful of your team be kind and and considerate and 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 show and so on um right fourth was seizing opportunities those those opportunities that are right in front of you i mean they've been placed there for a reason um mm. so if you ignore them at your folly exactly in, in <laughs> right um, in essence yeah um and then finally um it's kind of don't compare yourself to others as you said you know they're on chapter six volume you know volume whatever <laughs> and you're on a different volume and chapter um yeah and you know it's like comparing apples and pears uh you're just at different points on your journey uh mm. all you want to do is compare your compare yourself now to yourself from yesterday or last week or last month or last year or whatever and and try and be better than the previous previous version of yourself um exactly thank you so much um okay we're coming to the the end now so just a, a couple of um, short questions. Um, firstly, what are you currently excited to be working on that you'd like to share with the listeners? Uh, well, right now I'm excited about um, continuing to partner with various consumer packaged good companies and we're getting ready for Women's History Month and mm. different speaking engagements that I'll be able to do during Women's History Month. So I'm excited about that, but mm. I'm also excited about growing the team. And I've given them the charge of two people stepping up to be absolutely irreplaceable, which goes against how corporate was designed because mm. corporate wants you to be a number so that if you drop dead or leave, they can replace you quickly. But I yeah. want at least two people on the team to be so irreplaceable that if they left, we'd have to restructure the firm. Um, so I'm excited for that new lens and scope mm. of work and that new approach. Um, so yeah, that's yeah, that's what's on the horizon for that's us. Great. And that's exciting. Yeah, that that is that's very, very exciting. Um, and with the um the speaking engagement, so uh 
uh, any of them online and uh, kind of available like more widely to the general public if there are any if there are then you know some links we can put in the show notes so people can can uh watch you yeah the great. ones that we have slotted right now they're all like private events um but that would be cool to have something that's like publicized everywhere um yeah. but the the ones that are currently slotted are all private but if something comes up that's public yeah. i will send you a note yeah do that and i'll post it on on linkedin um great and um yeah i love the um the the thing about um making two employees uh irreplaceable for them to work on how they could become irreplaceable um Absolutely. that's that's really that's a really nice idea um and and if any of the listeners would like to reach out to you to uh to work with you um what's the best way for them to do so oh i love that well uh you can find me at the elevate collective.com. Mm -hmm. So that's with two L's E L L E V A T E. Listen, and for the feminine, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Dorothy yeah. Enrique. And so I'm always checking my inbox if folks want to reach out to me. And I am the elevate collective on Instagram as well. And I'm, elevate her ceo on tiktok so i'm kind of everywhere and so yeah. i would love to be in touch be able to connect and be able to partner together in the near future as we cultivate today's team member into tomorrow's leader excellent thank you for that i'll make sure they're in the show notes um well um just before we uh we we finish um do you have any closing words that you'd like to share well, this has been a pleasure. It's It's been fun sharing my story and recounting like how I got started as an entrepreneur <laughs> with those cassette tapes many moons <laughs> ago. Um, and so I, uh, I'm excited to just see what the future holds, what's going to happen in 2024. Like I am very excited for this year. This is the year of new beginnings. And so I can't wait to see where I'm at in December or this time next year. Yeah, that's brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, no, it has been uh, really, really good fun interviewing you. Thank you. And um, yeah, extremely enlightening. Um, I've learned, I've learned a lot. And, Ooh, um, yay. Yeah. So, so thank you. I'm sure the audience will get so much out of listening to this episode. So so yeah so thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all your wisdom and wonderful advice with us dorothy and thank you to the audience for listening and until the next episode in two weeks all that remains is to wish everyone health happiness and inspiring leadership take care thank you so much for joining me and my guest on the inspiring women leaders podcast today I really hope you enjoyed listening to the episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you did, please download the show and leave it a rating and a review so that together we can share the amazing lessons we've learned from my guests with listeners far and wide and help as many aspiring leaders as possible. Most of my podcasts will also be uploaded to my YouTube channel, Dr. Adam, Physician Coach. So please check out my channel there 
and hopefully you'll find some videos on similar topics to watch and enjoy. Finally, I have some exciting new group coaching programs and a membership scheme in the pipeline, so please keep a regular eye on my website, www.dradamharrison.com. That's www.dradamharrison.com for updates. Thank you again for your time today, and please join me next time, two weeks from now, on Alternate Wednesdays, for another brilliant episode of Inspiring Women Leaders.